0: Hurry in during Ram Truck Month, where you'll find J.D. Power's number one brand and new vehicle quality in 2021. And right now, financing get 3250 total cash allowance on the 2022 Ram 1500 Bighorn Crew Cab. Don't miss this great offer. Hurry into Ram Truck Month now. For 2021 J.D. Power award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Financing for well-qualified buyers through Chrysler Capital. Not all buyers will qualify. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery by 5222.
1: In this episode, we interview Emily Tightsworth, Executive Director of the Honnold Foundation, an organization that uses solar as a means to give all people equal access to opportunity and live in balance with the environment. Thanks, everyone, for tuning into this episode. Today, we have Emily Tightsworth, the Executive Director of the Honnold Foundation. Emily, thank you so much for your time today.
0: Thanks for having me. It's great to be here.
1: Yeah. So, per usual uh, kick us off with what is the Honold Foundation? What is the mission?
0: Yeah, so the Honold Foundation was founded in 2012 by rock climber Alex Honnold. Um at the time he was living in his van and rock climbing all over the world and this was before he was a, a household name. So, um a lot of people know who he is because of Free Solo, the documentary that came out in 2018. Um you know about his free solo ascent of El Capitan in Yosemite and you know even before that, before he was uh, a famous rock climber, he devoted at least a third of his income each year to supporting projects around the world that were um, you know, making life easier for communities on the front lines of climate change um, and facing poverty and a lot of other major challenges. And he decided that investing in solar energy was gonna be what he contributed to making the world a better place. And so that was the genesis of the Honol Foundation. Um, and since that we've grown to an organization that you know provides over $1 million in grants each year. To organizations um, supporting marginalized communities uh, around the world with solar energy access.
1: All right. That's a great overview. And I didn't know that history. Um, so thanks for that background. So yes. why you? You are a newer executive director to the organization. What made you want to be the executive director of the Humboldt Foundation?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So I am a little over two months into my tenure here. Um, I'm not a rock climber or a solar energy expert, so definitely (laughs) other things that are that are bringing me here. Um, You know, I spent about 15 years working on gender equity and public health issues, and um, actually about five or six years ago had you know sort of a stereotypical aha moment where I realized I needed to be focused on climate change. And that really was um, there was this major conference focused on women's issues and girls rights around the world. Thousands of people from, um, you know, 100 different countries converging to talk about the state of gender issues and, and women's rights. And, you know, over three days, hundreds of conference sessions, there was nothing about climate change. And I just realized, you know, all of these issues are impacted by climate change and energy access. And if we don't start talking about this, regardless of what we're really focused on, you know, there's not going to be a women's rights conference to go to. So it was just sort of a wake up call for me to think, like, how do I shift my career and my work to really make sure that this transition to a sustainable economy and to clean energy can happen? And so, um, you know, the Honnell Foundation is a great opportunity for me to bring my skills um, you know, around fundraising and organizational development and grant making to what for me is a new issue area um, and work that, you know, Alex and his team have been have been leading for several years at this point. So um, that's sort of my, my backstory. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think Honold Foundation has been collaborating with a lot of other organizations that focus on solar energy plus other issues. So for me, you know, with my public health and, and gender equity background, it actually made a lot of sense to bring that perspective and that lens to the work as well.
1: All right. Thank you for your background. So c- help me connect the, um, the, the gender equity and climate change together. Um, you said that maybe in the future, there might not be that
0: conference. So could you connect it for me? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, I think this applies to so many issues and that's why solar energy is so powerful. So as an example, you know, Adolescent girls are going to be the most and already are the most impacted group around the world by climate change. Um, And you think about, uh, especially in the global south in developing countries, girls are the ones who are sent by their families to collect water, um, to get firewood. Um, they're the first ones that are, you know, forced to drop out of school if there is an economic crisis in the family. And so, um, they're on the front lines of so many issues and climate change is just making that worse for them. And so I think, you know, that's sort of a, a direct connection of, of gender and, and energy access, I think, if we think about some of our partners like um, the school uh, that we work with in Guatemala called Maya that focuses on on adolescent girls um, from indigenous communities there, um, you know those. Girls often in those communities, about 10% of them finish middle school. And so um, a lot of that is actually related to energy access. So, um, you know, if they don't have energy access at home, they're the ones who are doing a lot of the tours. Um, and when it gets dark, that's their time that they might be able to study. And so without energy access at home and in school, um, they might be forced to drop out. So, I think for me, what's most powerful about solar energy access is that it helps us confront all of these other issues as well. Um, you know, gender is one example, um, a project that we were supporting in Amazon is another one that I think is really exciting mm-hmm. that we love to talk about because, um, boats are what's used for transportation there for young yeah. people for businesses. And, um, we're supporting an organization called Cara Solar that, um, is developing solar powered boats. And so, that helps, you know, young people get to school. That helps businesses transport their goods, and it prevents further deforestation because it's not, we're not, you know, building roads in these remote forest areas. So I think, um, you know, whether it's gender or transportation, business, there are a lot of ways that we can use solar energy to catalyze this transition to a better economy and and to prevent um, a lot of these other challenges that we're talking about.
1: Yeah, um, we, we've. I think only interviewed one other similar organization. They're called lots of love. They create solar powered lights that communities in third world countries could use to help them work at night and also replace uh, the need for kerosene. If I'm remembering correctly, which is a expensive, but be really dangerous. <laughs> right, so I, absolutely. I, yeah. Yeah. So have you worked on kind of similar projects or seen s- some of the, similar outcomes where providing light at night. So let people have a, maybe a second job to help them support their family, save money on kerosene um, and kind of infuse those communities with um, business, I guess you could say.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think there are quite a few that that fit into that into that category. Um, and one that has been you know, our biggest project to date and is getting close to wrapping up at this point is our project in Adjuntas, Puerto Rico, where we've been working with about 15 local businesses in the center of their downtown area um, to build a microgrid. And so essentially that's providing power to all of these businesses that were impacted by Hurricane Maria. Um, And, you know, that started because after the hurricane, so much of Puerto Rico was without power. And that meant, you know, no light to study, no light in schools no lights for businesses to do what they needed to do um and there was a community center there already that had transitioned to solar energy and that was sort of this like lone bright spot in the middle of a totally darkened yeah community. for them that was really like no pun intended the light bulb moment <laughs> for <them laughs> to realize like this is what we need to move forward and so um know that's really exciting because that central business district is really like the hub of the community in so many different ways and for us to support them to build a microgrid means you know sustainable power access for them but also just a way for them to increase the impact of their business community whether that's you know creating jobs um building the local economy whatever um dimension you look at it it's a way to strengthen the work that they're doing
1: got it and it, it from from doing research on your website, it looks like one of the keys to the success that you all have as an organization are, are, are partnering with the community organizations and the communities that you're working with versus sending your old all your employees on site to actually do the work. You mm-hmm. develop these partnerships, uh, which I've found are, are is kind of a key to having successful um, outcomes with with projects like this. So, have you leaned on that? And is that kind of your your model usually when you? find a new city or location or community that you want to um, maybe partner with organizations there and, and bring solar energy or sustainable energy to?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think the thing beyond solar energy as a focus area that drew me to the Honold foundation is this uh, perspective that I've always had that, you know, communities and individuals on the front lines are the ones who are best positioned to identify the solutions to the problems they're facing their community. And I think that's something that has been true of the Honnold Foundation as well, since well before I joined as the executive director. So what we really do is um, cast a very wide net um, to find organizations and communities that are on the front lines of climate change who can identify the solutions um, that will both best fit their needs as a community. And so we really depend on a network of partners to implement these projects. We're not kind of parachuting in, which is sort of the sort of stereotypical old school way of doing development. (laughs) Like here's our solution. Like we're going to make it work for you. We're really asking them what they need and helping them figure out the strategies to get there. Um, And so, you know, we, have a network of organizations here in the US that we work with to get the word out when we have um, grants available. And then we actually ask in our grant application um, for them to help identify partners to install the solar and to implement the project um, and make sure that it's sustainable in the long-term. So that is really our strategy. And I think um, regardless of whether the issue is solar energy or gender equity, it's really most effective for foundations like the Honold Foundation to work through community-based partners and just empower them through resources and and support to do the work that they know how to do best.
1: Awesome. Have you been able to track how the progress of, of projects like the one in, in Puerto Rico are doing? Like, how, what what are if there's any if it's possible to collect data points from the projects that you're doing? Is that is that something that you've built into? Um, kind of your workflow?
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know, we're a relatively young foundation. And you know, as I mentioned, we sort of really started growing in 2018. That's when we became an independent 501c3. And so um, 2020 was actually the first year that we had a full uh, cohort of grantees. And you can imagine what it was like to launch that. I think our first funding went out in April of 2020. So you know, the COVID reality. During COVID, yes. As an organization. (laughs) And I think um, we have built in, you know, metrics to and sort of checkpoints throughout the process with our partners to to see how things are doing. But we want to make sure that we're not just evaluating for evaluation's sake, that we're collecting data that is going to help us do better as a foundation and then also um, support our partners to share the work that they're doing. And so... Um, we're going to do a retrospective evaluation of the Puerto Rico project when it wraps up in 2022. And the aim of that is really to help us, you know, provide support to other organizations and foundations that want to build microgrids in Puerto Rico around the the world. And so I think we are evaluating, but it's with that lens to how do we share what's worked and also be candid about, you know, mistakes that we've made and learnings that we've had. Um, I think so often we want to present ourselves in the best light as foundations or nonprofits, and that can be a double edged sword because, you know, it can be good for your fundraising and your image, but then you're not really helping the movement, you know, kind of advance in terms of educating other organizations and um, helping them avoid some of the challenges that we might have faced and so I think evaluation and and looking back at what we have done over the first sort of couple rounds of our grants and using that to inform our strategy going forward. That's really the point that we're at now, um, figuring out how do we get that data and all of those um, those important learnings without being a burden to our partners around the world.
1: Yeah, what um and, and and we have other nonprofits that also listen to this, so they also share some of their growth. Uh, challenges that they faced and how they've overcome them. Are there any certain ones that you could highlight? Um, a challenge that you've had throughout this process, and maybe what you've done uh, that that you'll get a change next time.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, I think you know having this huge launch of all of our, our <laughs> grants of COVID, like, oh, yeah, yeah, really, can't control you know, that. <laughs> hard to think of a bigger <laughs> challenge. Um, but I think really, you know, the way that the foundation has respond, responded is with flexibility. And I think that is something having been on both sides of, you know, grant making and grant seeking when a foundation, you know, doesn't let you extend your timeline or doesn't work with you if conditions on the ground have changed, like Mm -hmm. that is a level of stress that we as a foundation strive to not perpetuate. And so I think um, I would say responding to these challenges on the ground, there are huge issues, where whether it comes from, you know, solar panels, supply chains, that's becoming right, more right. an issue, um, along with so many other supply chain issues right now, or just um, border closures. Um, we're supporting an organization in the Pacific, and, you know, we funded them over a year ago, and they have not yet been able to implement the project because of COVID restrictions. And, yeah. you know, we're just working with them to make it possible when it is possible. So I think um, that kind of flexibility is something that we are really committed to in yeah. terms of making the work happen and, and doing it on a timeline that makes sense. So. Yeah.
1: I've watched a couple of the videos that you've posted on YouTube and, and, and there's some really, really awesome shots and footage captured. One of which was from the, the Puerto Rico project so far, I think it was about a year ago that it was shot. Um, but it sounds like you're already having a huge, huge impact on that community um, with the microgrid. grid, how um, education question. I know you said you're also new to the to the solar um, lingo, but w- what is what is a microgrid?
0: <laughs> yeah, great. This is like a, a test of mine. Yeah, life it is. Yes, I don't
1: want it to be a test at you, but, but just education for me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. So, um, you know, often when you think about solar projects, we think about like a standalone residential project and that is like putting solar panels on the roof of your house and using yep. that to supplement what you're getting from a utility. Um, and the same has been true of a lot of the organizations that we work with. So, the project I mentioned in Guatemala, they are you know, putting solar panels on the roof of their school to make sure that they have sustainable access for their classrooms and for after school activities. Um, And those are really, you know, useful and important in their own right. And, you know, we have to start thinking at the community level in terms of what can we do that's a little bit bigger. So a microgrid is a slightly larger scale project that is connecting, you know, multiple businesses or homes or community buildings um, to a small um, electricity grid, and in this case, we have panels, um, you know, on several different buildings. Those are connected. Um, pretty complicated microgrid in this case, yeah. where um, we've got, you know, solar panels that um, need to be connected across roads, and so, um, you know, there's a wide variety of sort of scale when it comes to microgrids. But the generally, what that is, is a way for us to think about electrifying community level installations of solar um, just to amplify our impact and make sure that, um, you know, we're able to support community wide solar beyond sort of standalone institutions getting that access.
1: All right. Thank you for that. That makes sense. That makes sense. Now that you explained it. Um, So we've talked about uh, some of the recent projects and previous projects that you've done. What is the future roadmap and outlook looking like? Um, Is it mainly to just focus finishing what you've started or also you, have you already started developing community partnerships with other locations um, with microgrid projects or, or something else?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for asking that. So you mentioned, you know, some of the videos we have on our website and, you know, I think beyond just, moving resources to these projects and increasing the scope of our grant making, storytelling and amplifying the stories of our partners. Um, You know, Alex has a very wide ranging platform, a lot of name recognition and connections. And he's somebody who's inspired by the work that we're supporting and wants to help. Share those stories, and I think um, the Honnell Foundation is is committed to doing more of that in in the future. As things open up, um, you know, as we get a handle on on COVID and are able to travel again and support, you know, filmmakers to tell some of those stories. I think that's a big piece of what we're going to be doing going forward is just expanding that process. So right now we're in the process of working with Memphis Rocks Climbing Gym. In Memphis, we've supported solar access and we're telling their story um, as a way to, you know, connect with the policy landscape there and help them shift the narrative in Tennessee, which is very anti solar. Um, So I think using storytelling to spread the word about solar, but then also thinking about how do we connect that to to policy change um, at the local, state and national level. So that's a big piece of it. Um, Then the other is really just continuing to support solar energy innovation. Um, I'm based in the Bay Area and there is a lot of solar and renewable energy um, progress happening here. Um, I just met last week with somebody who is developing transparent overlays that are solar conductors. So you can actually have solar powered windows um that feed into the energy grid yeah so that's like not yet commercially available but i think for us sort of staying tapped into that kind of progress and i think we're just going to see exponential growth in what's happening in solar and renewable energy and we want to be a conduit to bringing that to communities on the front front lines of climate change so um In December, we're going to be launching what we're calling an innovation fund was essentially a way for us to fundraise and galvanize support around that kind of innovation Um, and just expanding the impact of our partners to be able to access new ways of using solar and then using it to address the challenges they're facing in their communities.
1: Yeah. Why do you think solar is not a, a, a common or popular topic in places like Memphis? And and how are you trying to, of course, this is an example of how you're trying to hedge it. You're just trying to push the, the education. Um, but are there like myths that people are, are thinking or, or false, false facts that pe- like, what what is the reason for it not being popular?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think there is not a lot of political will behind it in places like that. We're also supporting work in Virginia, which Mm -hmm. is, you know, providing solar energy access and then training out of work uh, coal workers in solar energy installation. And and so I think a lot of it is that our energy infrastructure has been built on things like coal or in Tennessee, like, you know, nuclear and other, um, other sort of more old school ways of um, providing electricity. And so, politicians are getting donations from those those interests. So I think it's sort of like the same old story, really. But there is a lot of pressure um, in places like that to not adopt solar energy. And at the same time, the sort of community level groundswell around solar energy as a solution that they need. And so we're starting to see that shift in places like Tennessee and Virginia. And and we're just happy to, to play a part supporting organizations that are doing that policy work. Yeah.
1: Alrighty. That makes sense. Yeah. I don't see, so I'm, I'm based in Chicago and I am starting to get more ads for, for, for solar options. Um, so it's probably because I've been doing research on, on how foundation and people are tracking that, but, um, yeah. but yeah, it, it's really interesting uh, where, where everything's going. Well, good. So you said that there is a December, um, Uh, push that you guys are doing. Do you have any other events that you wanted to, to highlight or point to? Do you have like an annual fundraising or is it mostly throughout the year that you do most of that?
0: Yeah, no, thank you for asking that. So, um, we are launching this innovation fund in December with the goal of opening a new round of grant applications in January. And so, you know, this year we've given over $1.1 million away in grants and we're hoping that we can double that over the next 18 months. Um, we've gotten for some of our open calls for grants, you know, up to 700 applications and we can Jeez. fund, you know, between 10 and 15. In projects a year. So there's this huge need out there. And, you know, we just need more resources and support to be able to to meet that demand. And so for us, this launch of this fund and our kind of December end of year fundraising push, um, we're working with Sunrun, one of our solar energy partners, and they um, are matching donations in December up to $50,000. So, um, you know, that kind of virtual campaign for us is what's next in terms of galvanizing support. And then, We'll see in 2022. Maybe it'll be possible for us to do some in-person events, but
1: yeah, we'll, like, fingers you know. crossed. Yeah, <laughs> we hope that's so. like <laughs> with 700 applicants, how do you? How do you pick those 10 to 15? Oh gosh. <laughs>
0: yeah, I think our, our program director drinks a lot of coffee. And just, like, dives in. <laughs> I was
1: wondering, I'm like, are you going through all 700 of those? Hopefully you have a big team. Yeah, we,
0: we have read all of them. Oh, so my goodness. You know, if you applied, we, we read your application. Um, You know, we, we use Submittable, which is an online platform that helps yeah. us sort of streamline things in terms of our grant applications. However, um you know, it is just a lot of work for our very small team right now. We're, um, four full-time staff members. So, um, you know, and we're, we're doing everything from working with partners to fundraising to operations. So, um, you know, I'm sure other small nonprofits you've, you've talked to have yeah. that sort of like lean mentality. And I think that's important, but, um, we are thinking about how do we meet that need? Right. So, yeah, you know, we may not get 700 applications every time we have an open call for grants, but, you know, if there are even 25 or 50 really strong projects that we can't fund, you know, we're actually like going out to our community and to other foundations to try to mobilize that support. Because I think really it is like building that network of small community based organizations that are transitioning to solar and then connecting them. And that is going to be that tipping point to where we're actually able to see change at that. At a national or international level. So exciting. Uh,
1: how can people get engaged? You have a website, of course, you have all the social media outlets. Um, if somebody's interested uh, in, in donating their time, their money, what have you, where can where they find you? Where's the best place for engagement?
0: Yeah, the Honnold Foundation website, HonoldFoundation.org, is the best place to start. Um, we're active on social media. So Honold Foundation on Instagram is another place to see sort of the latest and what we're up to. Um, And people can reach out through the website and they can make a donation there and, you know, connect with us. We welcome, you know, distance sort of virtual volunteers who want to support us in different ways. So I think there's lots of ways to contribute to the organization beyond um, just, you know, writing a check or or clicking donate on our website. (laughs) Um, We welcome um, people to reach out. We've got a a graduate level uh, paid internship that's open right now. So, um, you know, I think whether it's people who are still in school or people who want to donate, you know, time or resources, there are a lot of ways you can support our mission.
1: Well, my last question is always, is there anything you want to leave us with before we wrap it up? And it's kind of like uh, uh, um, sometimes gets people by surprise, but we've covered a lot. You've shared the mission and the work that you all are doing at Hama Foundation um, in the future and what it has to hold. Uh, But anything you want to leave us with before we wrap it up? (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah no i would just encourage um people who maybe haven't thought of solar energy whether it's for their home or as something that they want to support um as an issue as a way to support all the other issues that they care about so whether it's access to education or economic development um solar power is a way to achieve so many of those goals so I would just a uh, you know, encourage people to educate themselves about yeah. the issues and how that fits into the broader landscape. It's not just about like putting solar panels on your roofs, it's just a way, a conduit for us to build a more sustainable, more just society. Um, yeah. And so, you know, that's something that for me is really exciting having come from outside the solar industry. And, you know, I, I just, invite people to get more engaged and learn about that because we need more people working on these issues.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and and you did a good job at connecting to solar to things like gender equality and, and community development. Um, so and and health, long term health. So that 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 was really helpful. Thank you for that background. And thank you so much for your time. And and we'll be sure to, to share this with everyone and, and, and tag you everywhere. And we look forward to seeing your progress Um, with your current and future projects um, and especially the innovation fund in December.
0: Thank you so much. It's great talking with you. Thank you so much, Emily. All right. Take care.
1: Okay. Bye thanks for tuning into this episode. If you know of a great organization or individual leaving a positive impact, we'd love to tell their story. Check us out and contact us at gtcp.org. Don't forget for more stories like this, you could also follow us on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube. Instagram followers are linked to you in the bio. And for podcast listeners, we're on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Thanks for listening and see you again soon.